0: Today, I have joining us on the podcast, Sebastian Shivandi. Sebastian, welcome to Sales Lead Dog.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: Sebastian, tell us about your current role and your company.
1: Sure. So today I'm the CRO of Hypori, uh, where we provide a virtualized Android environment to our customers, which will basically allow them to do BYOD in a very secure manner without infringing on their personal data in their own device, as well as keeping the data from the corporate side very secure so it doesn't get compromised or, or, or intercepted within kind of the different kind of vulnerabilities that are going on today.
0: And that's a huge topic today. I mean, it, it has been for a while, but it, there's even more. I think uh more and more events happening all the time around digital security um are you guys seeing a big uptick yeah we
1: did especially during kind of the 2020 pandemic time with with people working remotely and having to work from home we saw a lot more of that uh particularly a big uptick for us was in the you know the, the dod space where we're kind of the lead there now as well as the the healthcare industry where they were trying to provide kind of that access in a HIPAA compliant manner to their uh, field workers and, 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 and getting that going and with, with, at the same time with the, the big jump in and, in, in, uh, attacks and cyber attacks on, on mobile devices, it became a pretty kind of a important part of the puzzle for all the companies that were out there.
0: Oh, I bet. I mean, especially, you know, everyone, I just remember that time a year ago and everyone's scrambling, trying to support a remote workforce, you know, bring your own device that was A huge component of that people just trying to figure it out and having a solution like yours uh probably helped them in in big ways yeah so it's great to have you here on the show um sebastian when you think back over your career what are the three things that have really contributed to your success
1: um one is i I should say for, for the most important part is the passion for actually doing what i do um in my in my career i've never picked up a job um, that I, I haven't been passionate about or it doesn't make sense to me. The fact of the matter is, look, everyone wants to work that nine to five job. But in all reality, as you go up the ladder, you, the more work you have to put in and those 40 hour weeks become sometimes 50 and 60. Um, there's always going to be some balance with your life that you'll have to make. Uh, but But unless you're passionate about what you really do day in and day out, you're not going to last. You're not going to excel, right? My number one kind of Focus when I when I kind of get up every morning is am I passionate about what I'm doing today? Is it exciting? Um, the second part is only work with A players. Um, my my you know, as I've grown and, and and gotten into sales and just leadership, what I've realized is when you don't when you try to cut corners, whether it's through your budget or time to bring in players that are not A players, you end up paying for it. You know trifold right uh, it's the time the e- the effort of going into it the cost of hiring a new employee and having to replace them it's it's really important to bring in those a players that really fit not only from a kind of a, a culture perspective in your company but also are able to deliver on the promise that you're giving your either shareholders or your, your executives in your team or the quotas that you set for everybody right so they have they have to align with that um, third is is bringing in honest people um, for me bringing in honest folks to a business i've seen plenty of you know folks that have done really well in sales or marketing or any other kind of organization within a business that have been okay but they're not someone that are, that's going to be completely ethical in the way they do business or someone that's not completely going to be honest in the way they do business those guys will get a little bit of a head start sometimes but eventually what they do is shoot themselves in the foot. I try to keep away from those folks at at any cost just to to make sure that one is I don't want to mess up the culture of the company or the team that I'm putting together for. But also as you, I want to make sure that a promise that's made to a customer, it's a promise that the company or I could deliver on and, 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 and not have any issues behind that.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. How did you get your start in sales?
1: Oh, God. Um, It's funny. I started off as an engineering major in school. I was super shy. uh, Wasn't really a guy that wanted to stand in front of customers. But the first business I kind of started off working in was my father's business. Um, We did uh, electrical system diagnostics for cars. I started off at the very bottom. He made me sweep floors to get in there, but he realized that I'm shy. And the first thing he did after that was he put me in front of customers and I hated him for that. Um, I was just <laughs> dreading it all the time. I was, I was hurting just to be you know, in front of a customer every day. But what it really did is really allowed me kind of to blossom into the, to the kind of person and really understand what I'm capable of. Uh, And it came to a way where I I fell in love with the concept of being in front of people and talking and and, and providing kind of a solution to their needs. Um, That being said, I ended up buying that business uh, and growing it. Uh, It was the very first business kind of I took over uh, and and acquired. And when I said acquired, I mean truly acquired because my dad made me go through the banks and and the loan process and he made me do it all. Um, But it was all a really good learning kind of um, process for me as well. But Going through that, I just, uh, you know, I, I started off a few businesses, uh, sold those, and then eventually joined the, uh, the enterprise world with, which where I started the, uh, you know, to run the software business within Dell. Um, and I've just ever since just, just kept in it and, and been happy with it.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. Uh, thinking back to that time when you're starting out in sales, what, would, what do you wish you would have been taught that would have made that time easier?
1: Don't be shy. Um, don't, don't be shy to ask the questions and don't be shy to really take that step and in that initiative, right? I think um, a lot of, of of kind of the reasons people are afraid of sales of the ones that are not in it or the ones that are in it and are don't don't excel is, is one is the intimidation of someone saying no or the rejection of it, right? Um, don't be afraid to get rejected. The, no, there's, no, there's nothing worse than a no, right? If someone isn't interested in what you have to say, they'll say no thank you or they'll say no or they'll hang up on you even, right? But it's, it's just one is don't be shy to ask questions and, and, and take that initiative to sell. And two is know what you're selling and what you're offering. It's really providing a solution to a customer's problem, not selling them a product. And as long as you can connect with the customer in that way and truly understand what they're going through and how your solution can solve their problem, that's when you can feel good about what you've done, but also you can make the sale and, and, and the customer's happy as well.
0: No, it's so true. You, you want to get to that reason why they're interested in buying. Nobody goes out to buy a product just to buy a product. I'm looking forward to do something for me. So that, that's great. That's great. Uh, what's your best advice for someone who wants to start a sales career?
1: get in there. <laughs> um, you know if, if you want to start in sales, I started at the bottom and, and and you're gonna start at the bottom. You're going to go through those days of where you really you know you're gonna really hurt to go to work because you're shy or you don't know the material well enough and, and you know well enough and in, in companies that are larger you may have you know 50 different products that you have to sell. Just keep going at it and one of the things that I would say is, and I say this to not just my sales guys, but to, but to everyone in my organization. Look, your nine to five job will pay your bills. What do you do like an hour or two before or after really be, sets you up for your career and your future growth. So just because you accomplish something today and you make it let's just say you over attain on your quota. It doesn't mean you should be happy and complacent. What you should be looking at is how do I make it better? Uh, one of the things I always say to my team is always better, never best, meaning today is always going to be better than tomorrow, but it's never going to be my best work because tomorrow is going to be, uh, be, be even better, right? Um, it's 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 one of those things that you have to keep in mind, perfection, right? Just, just try to build on it and go forward and don't get discouraged.
0: Right. Tell me about your transition to sales leadership. Was that an easy transition for you or was it difficult? Yeah.
1: Um, there were some times that that I, I had to kind of overcome certain weaknesses or certain shortcomings within my kind of my skill set, right? Um, managing people, I think, as you grow into the leadership kind of side of business, you know, when you get good at selling, you get really good at selling. But it's the one thing you really need to understand is how do you convey that technique to the people you, that are reporting to you? How do you really become someone that can mentor? and and drive your folks to do better and and become better people as 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 they're growing in their career but also it's 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 about really understanding like i said the customer right you really have to understand what you're doing and what what you're offering a person and if it's something that's aligned with your beliefs or not Um, so 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 when i got into that and you know leadership i think that one of the things that that i really had to really hone in on was you know, the, the, let's go get it and let's go, you know, achieve this this goal and attain these quotas was great. Yeah. But, but really being able to split that off and doing one-on-ones with my teammates to make sure that my folks are happy or they have something to say they can share outside of the group environment and really being able to kind of bring down those barriers for them to go get to be successful.
0: What was your biggest mistake in those early days of sales leadership?
1: Um... My biggest mistake sometimes was I was afraid to say, I don't know the answer. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's important, even when, especially when you have a team, is if you don't know an answer to something as a, a leader, it doesn't discredit you. It only discredits you if you lie. Um, just tell folks that, hey, I'll, be, I'll get back to you on it. Because what will happen is, one, it helps you go learn something. And two is you bring in a, a valid and true answer to the folks that are asking, right? So, and, and you're not ruining your credibility along the way. So really understanding when to say, I don't know, whether you're in a sales process or when you're managing a team um, or, or collaborating with them to figure out an answer to something, that would be really the best way to go as opposed to saying, look, this is it and winging it and trying to figure it out from there.
0: What attracted you to your current company? Why did you take the role you're in now?
1: The technology. Um, I'm a bit of a geek, uh, so I enjoy <laughs> cool tech. Um, you know, and like I said, what I've never taken a role that it's not been something that excites me. Uh, this technology was was something, You know, the high corey, virtual mobile infrastructure, virtual mobility, was something that really kind of was cool and, and, and is cool. And, 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 and I still remember the first time I saw it and, and, and when the CEO showed me the technology, I fell in love with it. I said, this is just phenomenal. This is great, right? Um, and if that's, that's the excitement that kind of got me to kind of join the company itself.
0: That's awesome. What advice do you have for someone who is uh, stepping into that leadership role? What should their focus be for that first 90 days?
1: Um, my approach is always people, product, process, right? People, meaning get to know your people, really understand them, learn what makes them tick. Yes, we're in sales and we run sales organizations, but not money isn't always the driver of the folks that are on your team. Some of them just sometimes want recognition. Some of them want kind of career, career growth, right? And it's not the financial aspect of it that drives them. It's just the, actually the mindset of it, right? Um, some people just want to learn more. I to this day will not, you know, won't want to work for anyone that I can't learn from because you're never going to know it all, right? Um, that's the people aspect of it. The product is really understand your product, you're offering what you're, what you're really doing and, and, and what you're offering your customers and what you're you know, providing for them as, fun, as a solution. Um, and then the process is, how do you make the process from the minute you have hello to your customers or your know, you lead that comes in all the way to the minute the customer is needing support, How get involved in that process and help make it better and make the customer's life easier and better because what that does is ultimately comes back to you especially in the SaaS world right you see a lot of that reflecting on the renewal time when the customer comes to renew their process or or even referrals when they refer your product to someone else it's going to be your support that really comes in and that 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 kind of customer success that comes in around it Uh, and focusing on that process is really important as uh, just as important as really going after the, you know, looking at the funnel and, and really being able to weigh it and going after strategy. I think that process of once you won the customer over of taking care of that customer is is a very important kind of step that is, uh, some people forget.
0: Right. Right. CROs have such broad responsibilities. How do you manage all or manage to balance all your different responsibilities as a CRO?
1: Um, Sometimes it's tougher. <laughs> uh, you know, today I manage sales, marketing, and operations. Um, it's, it's, it's broad, and there's a lot. And especially if you're in a smaller company that's growing, you're going to wear a lot more hats than those three roles, right? Sometimes you're going to be involved in finance, sometimes in HR, legal. Doesn't matter. You'll be in it. Um, one is really understand the big picture. Um, really try to learn a big picture, meaning where the company is, what the vision of that company is, what the vision of the leadership is, and, and be able to convey that to everybody on your team. The more your team is enabled and really understands what they're doing, the, the easier your life is going to be because you brought in the A players, right? That we spoke about at the beginning to go drive business and do their role, jobs, right? Um, managing it is, is really being able to operationalize it, really being able to operationalize the business process itself so that you have to focus on your people, so you can really rely in on your people, but also support them to overcome those shortcomings that they have, or some issues that they have, or some help that they support that they need to go, go you know, work on a, an opportunity or a process that they're put in place. Um, I think sometimes you get, you know, overwhelmed, and then things do come, you know, when it rains, at pours sometimes. But it's it's the important part is to keep the cool, take a step back sometimes, look at the big picture, and then go back in and, and try to solve it.
0: Now you've mentioned A players a couple of times. Um, I want to dive into that. What is your strategy for identifying A players and then attracting them, getting them to come work with you? Uh,
1: referrals, the number one thing, right? So if, I've, if I want to hire you know, t- top sales reps or marketing folks, I make sure to at first follow on my own network, right? Really go after them and see you know, who has someone that they can recommend that is good for that role that I have. Um, Two is go through the process of really interviewing people in a manner where it's real life applications. You're not only hiring a person because they can go sell something or if they're really good, you know, demand gen for a person. Um, You're hiring the the person as a person to come in and be a part of your organization and and integrate and influence that culture. Um, Really understanding what is it first, First and for- foremost, what is it that I want to accomplish? What is this this person that's coming into this role? What is their let's just say top ten things that I, I, need, I need this person to be able to do, and because I need to reach this objective, right? Uh, two is really honing in and getting the right people and taking the time to interview the right people. Um, I've had in the past where we've you know we've seen people getting hired because the the manager was in a hurry and needed someone in that role. So he or she went and got that, per- that, that person in a role, which was a terrible disaster, right? Take your time. It is worth the extra two weeks, three weeks, even a month to find the right person. Um, and eventually the, 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 at the end of the day is knowing if someone's not a good fit and being able to kind of cut your ties with that and and, and move on and, and you know cut your losses and move on. So you really have to be able to, to, to look at it and say, okay, this is a good fit. This person can really make it work. They're, they're aligned, their mindset and their vision is aligned with where we wanna go and they can fulfill that.
0: So salespeople are great at selling, you know, especially an A player salesperson, you're gonna be great at selling. How do you get past them being able to just sell themselves oh. to really what their true person is or what's really who they really are? How do you get past that?
1: Um, you you can always read one is you can read cues right when you're in sales you get to know another salesperson you can you can call out different cues that are you're know, like okay maybe this is a little off or maybe this is an attack um my other kind of kind of approach to this is you ask them what they do but then you ask them for references and this could be custom it should be generally customers uh, previous colleagues, as well as previous leaders in their business and see what they have to say about this person. If a customer comes back and has really good reviews about you know, this person, then you know they're, they're good at selling to the customer, they took care of the customer. Uh, again, the same with your colleagues. Is this person good and easy to work with? Is, it, is, is he or she a joy to work with or not? If someone's an A player, but in, when it comes to just sales and but not an A player when it comes to team you know, dynamics, not gonna work for you, right? Um, at the end is the the leadership, ask them what, you know, which leaders they recommend that you can reach out to and and connect with and get true, honest feedback. But uh, one of the things I also ask is tell me a, you know, give me one part of you that that you think is a weakness for you. And I'm not talking about that, you know, that weakness that comes out as a strength. I work a lot and sometimes I get scared (laughs) away, right? No, you literally say, what is a true weakness that you have, right? Is it Standing in front of more than 10 people and presenting? Okay, cool. So at least you know what you're getting yourself into. And, and you know where if that's something you can live with where you can kind of build on for them and help them fix that. Um, those are the ways I kind of try to make sure you lock it in. There's no 100% you know, insured way of going about it, but the more time and effort you put into it and the more people around those people you ask, the references essentially, I think the better you are and the more you get out of it.
0: How many times do you interview someone before you hire them?
1: Depends on the role. Um, you know, for for you know, I, I've had no less than say three people, uh, three interviews per person at, at, the, at the least for you know for a direct sales role. Um, and I've had interviews where I've had someone six or seven times that that we 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 bring them in with whether as a group or I've I talked to them twice myself to just really be able to gauge the answers and gauge that person from not just my perspective, but the person that they're going to report to, the person that they're going to work for, and some of my colleagues that they're going to have to kind of maybe dotted line into, right? I want to have as much input as I can from others. Sometimes you're deep in and you can't really see what's going on, right? So the, yep. the outside the outside view is really helpful.
0: I think one of the, the uh, big uh, components of being a good sales leader is identifying those within their team that should be considering a move into sales leadership. What's your strategy for cultivating future sales leaders?
1: So one of the things that I really like doing, and, and, you know, I learned this during my tenure at Dell, um, mentor programs. I had three mentors when I was at Dell and they were super helpful. Uh, To this day, I still have mentors that, that, Help me guide me through kind of the paths, not my just my career, but sometimes just the way I approach a problem. Right, Um, mentoring your team is super important. And when I said that, you know, earlier in our conversation, I said, look, it's not money that motivates people. Right. One of the things that I want to focus on with my people is where do they want to go. Um, I've had employees that wanted to look outside the company for their next career move, and I I helped them go there because the fact that you need, to, you need to give back. You need to really help others succeed. It doesn't mean that you help, you help them succeed by only you succeeding, right? It, it means that really mentoring them and finding out where do they want to go, where do they want to be in three or five years from now, and how do you help them build towards that? And when the time comes, really having to be, support them to be able to go make that move.
0: I want to read something off your LinkedIn profile. Uh, it's a recommendation you received. And uh, I'm going to read it here. Besides having significant experience and expertise as a high-tech CRO and sales professional, Sebastian is the best and most, he's got your back manager I've ever worked with. He leads by example, is collaborative, and inspires creativity and out-of-the-box thinking. I learn from him daily. Um, can you talk about that? Is that like just part of who you are? Is that a normal uh, yes, um,
1: I, I enjoy my having my team succeed. Um, you know, as a manager, people, you know, we forget we're just supposed to be there and tell the team what to do. It's not that. It's you lead by example. You show them what kind of team you really want to be, and 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 leading them to that, you know, from the front, not from the back, with the, you know, with, with 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 bells and whistles. Um, one of the things that I do is I set on one, I set one-on-ones with my team, uh, if it's not you know biweekly at, at least once every three weeks, right, um, to really gauge how they're doing. And one of the first questions I ask, especially for the first six months of someone joining my team, is, are you having fun? That's pretty much it. Are you having fun? Are you enjoying what you're doing? Because if you're not doing that and, and you're not enjoying what you're doing, it's going it's to get worse and you're going to have a hard time being creative. Uh, two is... The status quo doesn't work Um, for me, you know, I I always empower my team to even question this way I approach something if they have a better opinion on how to approach it. Really bring it up in a meeting and let's discuss it it's not confrontational and it's not an ego thing it's just a matter of hey what about if we do this, what about if we approach it this way and be willing to let your team go out and actually go. Take risks, take chances on new things that you think, hey, you know what? I think this is a good idea. I don't know how it's going to turn out. But from what I'm seeing, the data shows that it will be successful. Let them go try it out and support them. And if it fails, take the lessons, learn and move on, right? And and make sure everyone learns that. Um, Three is sometimes you got to cover the heat for your team. Um, Sometimes your team will make a decision that's a mistake that's made or something that fails. You have to provide aircraft.
0: So I apologize to our listeners. We had a technical hiccup there. Uh, Sebastian was in the middle of uh, his answer. So Sebastian, you were talking about you need to have your back for your team. Could you continue on with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as I was saying earlier is is that look, not being a manager for your team is not just letting them go do things that you know within the parameters of the framework of the business. Exploring new things, but also sometimes you got to cover the heat. You got, got to take on the heat for them, provide air cover for them. And in a way where something doesn't work, and because, and something particularly if, if they made a mistake and it was something that you can recover from, and if it was something that was, you know, just something that you said, hey, let's go try this and it failed. You may get they may want, you know, have some other manager or some other, you know, executive come in and try to give them some heat your responsibility as a leader and as a mentor is to provide air cover and provide them that support. So it enables them and empowers them to be able to do that again and do that, you know, take those chances and take those those risks of trying new things that are outside the box. Um, rather than worrying and freaking out and never trying something new again. So as a leader, you have to be there for your folks and really, really support them through those.
0: To be, to have that dialogue, like you're saying that back and forth, you have to be vulnerable yourself. How do you establish that vulnerability with your team? Uh,
1: it comes with trust so trust by verify at first right uh, but trust trust by but verify um, it. you got to build that trust with your team and they have to build it with you as well right no manager is going to trust their team 100% from day one. And no no team teammate is going to trust their manager, day one. it's just you have to build that trust where you, you know if you did your due diligence and you brought in the right people and you believe that you brought in the right people. And, and you just build that trust with them and let them go do their thing let them go do what they were brought on to do and, and trust that they'll make the right decisions and all you do is really let them know that if they don't know an answer to something or they're stuck on something your your door is always open for them to bring it into you and ask the question or even share it with the team so maybe someone else on the team has that collaborative environment will help right um it's it, it's it's a matter of building that trust and really keeping the trust at the end of the day right when i comes when i said the like, providing air cover for your folks. Um, you have to make sure that trust is there in your team.
0: That's awesome. Let's transition to talk about CRM. When it comes to CRM, do you love it or do you hate it? I love it. Live by it. What What are things about that you love the most about CRM?
1: I drive my business with a lot of insight from data. Um, and I'm sure a lot of leaders do, right? Uh, data comes from a lot of it from CRM. From the minute you have... You know, you're calculating maybe your 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 uh, number of leads, to the cost of leads that are coming in, to your you know conversion rates, to everything everything throughout the customer journey and the life cycle, including kind of hey, you know which customer sets sold you know bought more, which didn't, and what is really working for you from an operational perspective internally, as well as and as well as the knowledge base internally for your team, it it can all be pulled out from CRM. The reason that you know it's just a matter of one is knowing what you're looking for again, right? What is it that, what kind of data do you want? But two is really building it in where you can pull that data out and really review it and understand it. So you can make decisions for your future business um, as you go forward. Um, I, I, I personally love the fact that we use, you know, capabilities like this to pull data back and, and warehouse our data, but also it gives us a lot of insight into not only our internal operations and our you know, sales team, but also, externally to the customer and what's really going on with customer insights
0: what is, what are the things you you know kind of flip the coin here what are the things that you like least about crm
1: it's very dry um you know crm always needs a human touch it needs a human understanding and logic behind it you can just you know as i mentioned data is important but you need the human touch to really translate that data um, but in, in it's work, it's, it's, it's time and effort that has to be put in. I think the hardest part about CRM for me has always been the implementation part because you actually have to build a framework of here's what we want to get today and then build it to scale. So say, you know, say a year down the line or five years down the line, as you grow, how can the CRM still be kind of something that you can use today as you build on it to go forward? Um, it's, it's, you just, you just have to make sure that you rely on it and and encourage your team to use it because most teams, especially on the sales side, right? You, you, you see people where they don't like to register these deals all the time or update their deal pipeline or, or, you know, it's, it's really teaching your team and empowering them to really go do this the right way and telling them why is important. And, but it's not always fun.
0: Right. You just hit on it with uh, telling them why and that was that's my next question when you're doing that having that conversation of telling them why they need to use crm what is your why
1: it's always the big picture as i mentioned where you know what is the big picture and and what is the ultimate goal and and, in in my business that i manage you know whether it's the sales team the marketing team operations doesn't matter showing them the big picture and the big vision and having them see it and buy it is, is important because everything just trickles down and you move backwards from there. Um, I use CRM to, to kind of show my team: you know, here's how you know, a cost of customer acquisition cost went down, or uh, here's how your sales cycles can decrease by you know, XYZ changes in your habits. Um, showing them the, the way that data really translates into their business, into their lives, and into their well-being. Is important in it. What it does is eventually gets them to kind of buy in on the idea of using it on a more regular basis, but also putting in data that's more accurate and and, and, and more consistent.
0: Oh, I love that. I I think you nailed it in terms of especially big picture. I think with salespeople, they're just so focused on on pipeline or you know what is my deal flow or what, how much commission I'm going to make. A lot of times they don't understand that there are other parts of the organization that are relying on good data in CRM so they can make decisions, you know, yeah. on people they need to hire or inventory they may have to purchase, whatever. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of downstream stuff that all comes from the work the sales team is doing up front. Um, yeah. that, that's great. Um, for those people that just are struggling with CRM, do you have any advice, you know, yeah. for listeners that they may be having a similar struggle? Um
1: Look, it, every new thing is always going to be a little bit of work and a little bit of struggle to get it, right? Um, one, to, to me, it, you know, my, my, my one recommendation is first is never give up. Just keep going. Just, just understand that it's going to suck and it's going to be hard and it's going to be a little bit of work. As I mentioned, after your 9 to 5 job, you may have to spend an hour extra and, and learn a little bit about CRM. But also understand that you don't need to take it all in at one time. Just learn a piece each day and add on to it every day it'll make your life easier and also make helps you absorb it better. Um, It's, it's just, but it's important. Data is really important. The more data driven you are, the the more success you're going to have not only today, but in your future as well.
0: So as a CRO, you're over both sales and marketing. What is your um, approach to creating that alignment that I think is really necessary between sales and marketing?
1: Um, outside of the big picture, which I mentioned again, right, really showing everyone how everything fits together to build this big picture. Um, I believe sales and marketing are always independent, uh, are, are dependent on each other, right? They, they complete each other no matter what. When marketing comes up with leads or does, you know, demand and gen- activities, and, and, and some g- leads are generated after this, sales is going to, you know, after marketing's qualified them, sales may want to ha- have to qualify them. That constant communication back and forth, whether it's through the CRM that we just mentioned earlier or whether it's through just, you know, an email um, really helps hone in on marketing doing a better job to provide leads for sales and then sales giving and giving a good amount of feedback to marketing so they can go after that and really build on, on, on their campaigns to get better leads. Um, I per- personally believe that 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 collaboration is super important. It's super important that all aspects of business really tie into each other more. That's when we will build our CRM. We start not only from the top, from you know going after leads and lead acquisition, all the way out to the back end of support and customer success. Um, it's it's everything has to tie in, and I think sales and marketing have to be hand in hand. And they really, for the most part, I think sales and marketing should always be under one uh, leader. Now, whether that's a you know. CRO or, or anything else, it doesn't matter. I think it's just, uh, it's important for that kind of the umbrella of that business to be connected in, in, in the back end.
0: Do you leverage your CRM in any way to help create or support that alignment?
1: Yes. Um, so so a lot of the stuff that I did, especially with Hypori today when we were building our CRM out, was building for scale and but also operationalization, right? So uh, one of the issues that we had initially when we were starting off was when sales were done, some of our, you know, DOD customers on-prem products had to be in- integrated and installed. Uh, the deployment team was getting notified late and they weren't catching on with the, what the customer needs right. from the sales side in order to go out and really do this properly. So, well, you know, one of the things that that we did was, for example, build it in where as a lead is following through the, you know, the life cycle, whether it comes from, from once it comes from marketing to sales and then when it gets to the final stages of sale, the, you know, especially the part that, hey, this customer said yes, a notification, for example, would go to our operations team or our deployment team to say, "Hey, this opportunity is coming up. Here's all the information that that's that you need." And by the way, the information is all in the CRM as the salespeople put in there, right? So, and then every kind of backend support that goes into that is tied to that one customer number or customer ID. So you have the whole kind of 360 view of this customer from day one. How much it costs you to get them? How long it took for their deployment to happen? And what, what are the NPS scores and result of that today, right? So right. It's, it's really important to kind of build that operationalization and automation into the system, where it's not every day, it's, it, you don't want it to be a hassle for everyone for every little stage, right? You want to automate as much as possible.
0: I, I, I 100% agree, especially that part about, you know, when the deal is won, there's a whole lot of stuff that has to happen and, and having that seamless flow from the sales team into operations or deployment or customer success, whatever an organization may call it, it it all begins with having that good data in CRM. So you are able to support that seamless handoff. That's terrific. Yeah. Sebastian, we are coming up on our time here on Sales Lead. Doug, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great listening to you. If people wanna reach out and connect with you, or if they wanna learn more about Hyporia, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Reach out on LinkedIn. Happy to help. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those tools that I use on a day in and day out basis. So don't hesitate to reach out. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, your website, all that info will be in the show notes. Um, uh, for those of you listening, please uh, be sure to, uh, to like us, follow us, uh, give us some good ratings. We really appreciate that. Sebastian, thank you again for coming on sales lead, Doug.
1: Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here.
0: As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash salesleaddog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM. Delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.